Hey everybody, my name is Pej. We come on every single Tuesday, right around noontime. I always have special guests in the recovery world. We talk about anything and everything that's recovery related or lack thereof. Welcome to Pej's Recovery Corner. Today is our very first episode of Pej's Recovery Corner, and I'm here with my very special friend, Frankie Dahl Ollinger, and she is, she's, she's amazing. She's a powerful force. Um, I, I met her... I'm 13 and a half years sober. I met her when I was about two years sober. I, I remember being somewhere, a special place where some people like to congregate. And I, and I just saw her in passing and she had a lot of people around her. And like, she, she was special. Like she, she, it was like a light, a beam. And um, to me, over the years, becoming her friend and, and growing our friendship has been um, a remarkable experience because I love Frankie and she does a lot, a lot, a lot. Like she helps a lot of people in the recovery community. I thought that today's topic should be anything goes because, because we we work in so many different um, fields. fields and aspects of recovery. So um, with that said, I, I will be asking you some questions. Welcome, Frankie. Um, if you wouldn't mind, please t t tell everybody a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, that was a great, great introduction, but... Uh, my name is Frankie Dahl Olinger. Olinger, sorry. Uh, I'm an author of a book. <laughs> well, what's the name of your book? The book is called The Five Bs, A Guide to Empowerment and Happiness, written with love by a modern-day spiritual warrior. And it's all about the recovering from the addiction of the victim-villain cycle. Um, so I'm a coach. Uh, I've been coaching for about 20 years now. and What kind of coach? I am an empowerment coach, a life coach. I'm a Ho'oponopono practitioner. I am Say that slowly. Ho'oponopono. That means you know the Ho'oponopono prayer? Well, yeah, there is a Ho'oponopono prayer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's basically making right or forgiveness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I coach with addiction. I coach with recovery, which are not the same exact thing. Okay. They, they seem like they're the same thing, but they're not. Okay, we'll get uh, to that in a second, definitely. <laughs> I want to hear more about that. Uh, I coach in fame addiction and uh, imposter syndrome. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot. It's basically the addiction to suffering because that's what's happening here is a lot of, of us in this world. Mm -hmm. It's not that we're addicted. We're addicted to this substance. We're literally addicted to anything that causes us suffering. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get away from it. So... I have a really good friend, Don Jose Ruiz. Mm -hmm. um, he also is an author of a book. You should check him out. And uh, we did a, a some talks on this, about mm -hmm. the addiction to suffering. Right. How that's what's really happening right now. You can just take out anything that the addiction is and just put in suffering. Right. And that that's it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter because it takes on different forms, you know? And a lot of people suffer. Mm -hmm. And they're not just people that have addictions. No. I mean, I think everybody on earth... Is addicted to something. Their phones, sex, porn, Maybe. food, many different things. But I believe that um, the underlying problem with it is suffering. Suffering, yeah. yeah. And my book it talks about how we have a victim-villain cycle that we get stuck in. Mm -hmm. We are the victim of things when we're a little kid, or right. when even adults. Anytime we're a victim, and it changes the way that we interact with life or the way we show up to life. Right. That is a victim circumstance, and mm -hmm. most victims turn into villains at the very at some time, they stop engaging in life right. or they start attacking other people or harming themselves or others and they become a villain. Mm -hmm. And some people may want to argue with that, but really there's there's not a lot of argument to it if you go through the book and I explain it. Mm -hmm. Because how can people go, how can I be the villain right. when I was the one who was hurt? Mm -hmm. Well, 
let me ask you this. When you grew up, were you completely open to people? Did you allow people to love you? Did mm -hmm. you ask for help? Right. Most of them go, well, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Then you're the villain. Right. You can't blame anybody else for your unhappiness if you're the one who is causing it. So it's like you're, you're your own villain. Like your you're... own villain. Yeah. Okay. So, so with that said, like, this is deep stuff. And I, I've read your book and I love it. I, it's, it's like, it, I was reading your book with six other books at the same time. So, but like, I, every time I get back in your book, when I read Frankie's book, like I, because I know her, I hear her voice <laughs> dancing off the page. So, I mean, I, I really love, I love this book. I live by it. I, I understand it. And I, and I love that you teach it. But now, now let's back up a little bit and see like, what even brought you to writing a book like this? Like, oh did you gosh. did you suffer? Oh my god! Well, yeah. I mean, first I, of all, I, who is Frankie? Like, how, how? Like, say a little bit about yourself so that people really know who you are. That's a hard thing. I'm just a little human girl who wants to love everybody else. Like, that's who I am. Okay. But who I was was someone who was when I was a little girl. I was severely abused as a child. Mm -hmm. You know, sexually, mentally, physically, mm -hmm. and. Um, and I was scared all the time and I was, I felt trapped. I felt trapped and I felt alone and I felt like I was a nothing. Right. And from two years old to 12 years old, I was abused. Mm -hmm. And then when I told on him when I was 12 years old, mm -hmm. I thought that everything was going to get better. You know, I think it's really huge that you're able to this, you know, be able to openly talk about stuff like that, because I know that abuse happens in all different forms, mm -hmm. shapes and sizes, especially sexual trauma, sexual abuse. Like, a lot of people are afraid to talk about that stuff. They want to take it's it. It's embarrassing. Well, people want to take it to the grave with them. Well, they, because they think it says something about them. Right. And it doesn't. Right. But we grow with that abuse. Mm -hmm. And we, even not even just sexual trauma, mm -hmm. any other kind of abuse or trauma. Right. We think it says something about us. Mm -hmm. And we take that. We don't want people to know. We want to either be strong because... Let's be honest, society tells us we're survivors, you know, yes. which I think is fantastic. I am a survivor too, but when that becomes my final mm -hmm. um, label, right. then that's sad. Final self-proclaimed proclaimed label in your own head, yeah. in your own thinking process mm -hmm. and what you believe about yourself. Yeah. yeah, because we do want to be survivors. Like right. I said, I am a survivor, mm -hmm. but I'm so much more than that. Right. I am not just the thing I survived. When I was 18, you know this story, mm -hmm. you know, but when I was 18, I'm, when I left home, I didn't like, I didn't stop the abuse. No. I thought that I was worthy of abuse. So every guy that I was with, every situation I was in, right. I was, I chose abuse. That's what fit the way I felt about myself. And right. I had a guy and I was with him and I finally broke up with him three months after my 18th birthday. And he walked into my bedroom mm -hmm. and he threw the door open. And he said, I love you, Frankie. I hope you're happy here. Watch this. And he had crazy eyes and looking me in the eyes like this. He pulled the gun out of his pocket, put it to his head and he shot himself looking mm. me in the eyes. Yeah. And that is something that people don't know. I didn't know how to get through. That's heavy. You know? That's heavy trauma. It is heavy Like to have to, to see that. And he died, obviously, right? There. Oh, he died. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I needed to be a survivor. Right. Like, I, there, there was no other option. Oh, I'm going to cry. Either I was going to completely crumble and be a nothing, mm -hmm. or I was going to be a survivor. Right. And I had to make a decision in my head. I'm going to be a survivor. Right. And that's what I prayed for at that moment, was please don't let me get better. bitter. Please don't let me get bitter. And please let me survive this. Mm -hmm. Please let me get through this. Right. You know, and um, 
it was hard right. and it's still hard sometimes to think well, about. I can tell. And it's not that it, it, that I'm traumatized by it anymore. It's mm -hmm. that I look back on that little girl that I was and I think to myself, you, you deserved better. Right. You can cuss on my shit. You fucking deserve That's better. That's right. I don't <laughs> you mind know? You like, deserve you, you taught better. me to be organic. Like, if yeah. it comes out, it comes out. So, with that said, I mean, that's fucking gnarly, like crazy. Um, I do believe, uh, as human beings, obviously, um, we all endure certain traumas that then define our future. A lot of people will hold on to it. They they suffer they from... Create, it creates they create, our future. That's right. I mean, people that suffer from manic depressive disorder, from anxiety, they're just anxiety ridden, is because they're they're usually afraid of the fear of the unknown, like that future trip and shit that we do, or being stuck in the past, which is like, to me, that's what depression is. I'm allowed to talk about this stuff because I've suffered from both. I've been clinically diagnosed as both of them. And I believe like I numbed out on drugs and alcohol a lot, as well as other things to to just kind of like numb myself because we all have, we share traumas, but today it's not about me. It's about you. So I wanted to ask you this. So obviously that happened and throughout your life, um, if I'm not mistaken, you were an entertainer. I was. Yeah. And what, yeah. what kind of an entertainer? Music as an actress. I toured all over the world. Okay. In what, a band. Toured, what kind of band was it? What kind it of music? Was, um, I've well, looked you up and I like, I actually really think you have an amazing voice. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, seriously. Like, what was the name of the band? Um, so one of the bands, the, the one I'm most known for is Frankie Doll and the Broken Toys. Frankie Doll and the Broken Toys. That's such a fitting name. Broken <laughs> Toys. Okay. And what, what kind of music was it? It's alternative rock with a punk edge. No, it's, any pop? There's some pop in A little there, yeah. poppy. Yeah. Sound. If you think like, Pop was something that was really big in the 80s. She's, like, I don't want to say your age. I don't ever reveal a woman's age. I'm 49 and she's around my age. I'm older. <laughs> But I'm 50 during today. The, listen, during the 80s, like pop was the shit. Sometimes I know, like when I'm interacting with Frankie, like a song will come out, like I wear my sunglasses at night, and I know that she knows. Like we were, we knew exactly. Okay, let me where give we you were. a better one. Okay. How can we be wrong? Trenier. Do you remember Trenier? Trenier. Yeah. How can we be? Uh, probably it was oh like one God. of those songs that probably oh came my. out of now my you're gonna have flight. to go look. Because it is the shit. That's right. I'll check it out. Right. So, so you were Frankie Doll and the Toys. Was that the only band name that you were ever in? Frankie Doll and the Broken Toys. Broken I was Toys. in a band called Booby Trap. I could literally list bands, but those are the two that that were the most that got the most recognition. Okay. Yeah. Were you using drugs during that time? Uh, no. You're no, sober? I was sober because it was. You already yeah, got sober. I had already gotten sober when in the eighties. I had I, when I was doing music, and right. there's nothing that you could look up right now in the eighties that that I could tell you. You know, right? Um, but in the eighties, I was totally loaded. In the nineties, I was loaded all the way through till nineteen ninety seven. And that's when you got sober. That's when I got sober, and then I went picked music back up mm. and went touring. You know, started living my life. So 97, how old were you when you got sober? 26. So you were of the younger variety. I was of the younger variety. I was like midway, yeah. Okay. I was considered a young person in the program at that time, <laughs> but um, now... The we, program? Oh, oh, that program. That 12-step program. Oh, the 12-step program, okay. I was considered a young person at 26 back in the 90s, but now there are people that are, are still entering... Young. Oh, oh, much younger. Much younger, yeah. yeah, like 15, 16. Which I absolutely love. I love it too. I love yeah. it. I love seeing that. So as a young person in recovery, um, what inspired you to go into the direction of being a coach? 
it accidentally happened. Like, I did not want to do this. It wasn't like something I, I, I've been studying the law of attraction, by the way, I, I coach law of attraction too. I'm okay, to good. That. That's a good I've one. I've been studying law of attraction since I was um, 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And it's because somebody told me one time, you're creating your life. And I was like, right, right, right. What? Right. Don't you dare say I'm, I'm not, who would create? <laughs> so yeah. it, it was like, I had to prove this law of attraction thing wrong. Right. You know? So when so I. So you thought you were above the law of attraction? I thought that. You thought you knew better? I thought there was no way I would attract somebody to molest me, beat me, oh, or shoot themselves okay, okay. in front of me. So they basically said it was my fault in my head. Right. Thanks for elaborating. Right. Okay. Which is part of the book, being a victim, you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't understand about the vibrations that we put off and how a victim thinks with the victim minds and right. acts with the victim mind and then creates with the victim mind. I didn't right. understand any of that. And somewhere around four years of recovery, one of my girls, I used to have this little group that meets in my garage. Mm -hmm. And one of my girls was like, teach us about this other stuff that you do. Right. And I was like, mm, this doesn't fit here. So I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you guys want to come on Monday, I'll teach you this stuff. And so literally a group started in my garage on Monday nights and it just grew and grew and grew. And then, I mean, up until COVID, it was still happening, right. you know, 20 years later. Okay. But I started realizing that. I could teach this really, really well. Right. And Had so, you started writing the book? No, yeah. no, no, no. I started. I just realized I could teach this really well, and I was doing music, and I was happy in music, and I was going to be a rock star, mm -hmm. and I was going to be whatever. So I just kept teaching it, and people kept coming, and people kept coming, and then it got bigger and bigger, and then I started realizing people needed one-on-one -on -one time, and so I would give them one-on-one -on -one time, mm -hmm. teaching them what I knew, and eventually, I was like, "This is." coaching right i should probably get certified sure. to coach you okay. know so that's why you went in the direction so that's of why i went in the direction of coaching and it was only so i only got the certification for mm -hmm. hypnotherapy and coaching mm -hmm. so that i could do it right. you know that's it it wasn't meant to be my career i was going to be a rock star mm -hmm. and then i kept going and kept going and then got into music and then did you know but i was i found myself I would be making sure that everything that I did in my career mm -hmm. fit around being able to show up. And then the group had turned from one night a week to mm -hmm. two nights a week. Mm -hmm. And so everything I did was to show up. And so I was working like 70 hours a week on my career right. and then coming home and coaching and then doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. long, strenuous work. Oh my God. It was now, you have brought up like out of all of the different things that you coach, there's two things that really stood out to me. One was attached to the word fame and imposter. Uh -huh. Can you please elaborate a little bit on what, what kind of coaching is that? Fame what? So fame addiction. Fame addiction. Yeah, and so that is what? People that want to be famous yeah. or people that are famous that are addicted to being famous? No. People that are addicted to wanting any, to be famous. Addicted to, it's where being famous drives their everything. So right. there are people that are on their phones and they're literally looking at how many likes did I get? How many, mm -hmm. you know, oh my God, I got a less, one less follower. Like it, and then it just ruins, destroys them. It destroys yeah. them. Yeah. And there's nobody. It's that's sort of like my friends this. that would do steroids in high school. Like they'd get the six pack, and I'd see them like constantly looking at themselves in the mirror, and I'd, I'd just to just to fuck with them. Like I'd go up and be like, "Yo, man, like, looks like your six pack is a five pack." Today. What? Oh my god, seriously? But you know, no, the only no, I was just kidding. Is, though they don't kill themselves. They don't. But when people, the six pack, people will actually like people kill themselves. Kill themselves. 
because they cannot handle. It's attached to suicide. Yeah, yeah. it is attached to suicide. Now, and it, suicide's a big thing for me. It is a big Anything thing. Anything that a, would make a person want to kill themselves, I want to help them out. It's heavy. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. We never. And you know what's sad? I was talking to a friend yesterday just during the pandemic. A lot of our friends that are in recovery or have been in recovery, we've had, besides overdoses, which some of, some people have gone and actually overdosed that have countless years of sobriety. But like, there's people that if like you know some in the community that have killed themselves mm-hmm. because they fell off the path or they went into this deep dark depression, thinking like, what is going on it's with the world? It's so hard. I want to know about imposter. What is the imposter, imposter syndrome? syndrome? Yeah. So there's a lot of misconception about imposter syndrome. I actually popped onto somebody's live um, the other day and they were talking about it and I was like, that is That's not, not imposter, imposter yeah. syndrome. So imposter syndrome is when you are doing, like let's say me for a coach, mm-hmm. right? If I was being a coach and getting paid to be a coach, mm-hmm. but inside I'm like, I'm not really a coach. I don't know what I'm doing. I I can't believe the you know there are these doubts that have They're that an come imposter. up. Yeah. Anybody like what you're doing right here? Uh-huh. You could come in here and you can do like ten episodes. Right. And you could just feel like oh I'm just not good enough. I'm not really right for this. Right. You know I'm not. Everybody thinks I'm a joke. It's you feel like an imposter in okay. your own life. Right. In your own career, you mm-hmm, feel like mm-hmm. an imposter. And I did struggle with this. Mm-hmm. I was a musician. I had all these tattoos and. And I was like, oh, who am I to teach spirituality, right, right? right? And people have asked me that. They've looked at me and they've gone, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. You know, look at you. And I just tell them, close your eyes. You can you can see me better, you know? But, right. but there is this imposter syndrome that would not let me be as effective as I could be because I had this huge amount of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And it's not just self-doubt. It's the feeling of I... I'm an imposter. Right. Well, that's that's good that you recognize it, or at least recognize the feeling that's behind it. Right. Because you're not an imposter. You're like, no. as real as they come in my book. Thank you. And Thank who the you. hell am I like to know? But still, like I feel like you're special. Well, it's like special. who am I to write a book? Well, I'm an author, but I still kind of feel like an imposter because it's my first book. I'm like, yeah, I it's actually, just one I, book. I want to tell you. you know? So um, I didn't mean to hold that up like I was like, <laughs> look at my book. Before we close out, because I know we're limited on time, first of all, I do want to say that I'm going to have you on the show a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things I want to talk about, such as body dysmorphia, yes. um, you know, many, many different topics that I know that you specialize in or or work with people on. And so in the future, I do want to have you on the podcast a lot. But um, I want to know real quick, as far as the five V's, what exactly the five <laughs> V's are so that people know. And then where can they obtain the book? Okay. And like some people say like, oh, he's just trying to advertise a book. You're damn right I am. I think when somebody writes a book, especially a book that's like this fruitful and this good, it definitely needs, like I gave this to a bunch of people for Christmas. He did. He actually came and bought a bunch of them from me and gave them out for Christmas. Yeah. And he's not trying to sell my book. He's trying to sell a solution to somebody. He's yeah. trying to give a solution to somebody and it just happens to cost a couple bucks. That's right. So, that's fine. So what so, are the five the five E's is first victim, right? Mm-hmm. Second is villain. Okay. Third is visceral, which is that feeling on the inside that we are either disturbed or we are uh, we're solid and we know that we know mm-hmm. more about that in the right. book. Um, the fourth is vulnerable, which is how every human being is born. No one's born angry. No mm-hmm. one's born judgmental. Right. No one's born afraid. 
vulnerable. That's and a, then the fifth V is vested, mm -hmm. which shouldn't be confused with invested. Okay. If I'm invested in something, you can change my mind. Okay. You know, you can you can convince me that the not true is the true if I'm only invested. Okay, so but then what is vested? Vested is I know that I know that I know that this is the truth to my core mm -hmm. and we have to get back to the vested truth about ourselves, which is how we were born, mm -hmm. right? I'm right. vested in the fact that me personally, I was born as a girl, okay, a female, you know? Right. And you can't say anything or do anything that's gonna convince me otherwise. That's, because that's, that's what because I know, you know inside, that. right? Deep down within. Deep down, it's a knowing. It's right. the truth and it resonates in our visceral. Hmm. So I, we could literally do a whole a whole episode. We will, I, I wanna do that definitely in the future. I want to, um, I want to say, you know, this being the first episode of The Corner, right? Peggy's Recovery Corner. corner. In reality, like, this is Peggy's Recovery Corner, but we're in her corner. We're in the corner of her house, in the corner couch. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just hanging out. I couldn't have thought of anybody better to, to interview first because you're one of my favorite human beings. <laughs> oh, shucks. I, 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 no, I seriously, I feel like sometimes um, Spirit of the Universe, something just brought us together. I was actually intimidated of you when I first saw you at first. I was a newcomer. I was two years sober. I remember just seeing her. And I, and so many people, like, like and, and she was really humble. Like, they were all surrounded around you, but you were really humble as, you were very comfortable in your skin, and I desired that. And I thought, like, I wonder what it would be take, what, what it would take to become Frankie Doll's friend. And, it, you know, it just kind of happened organically. It wasn't like we forced we're it or anything. We're supposed to be friends. I remember where I was. I fell in love with you the second oh, I met you. Shucks. Are you kidding? You're, you're an amazing human being. Um, and in weeks to come, you know, as I have a few more guests, I'm just going to probably put you on, like, once a month Anytime. or something. Okay, Anytime. Anytime. Right. You want a guest host? I'm here. You want Perfect. nothing? I'm trying to move in on No, you. I think it's time for anything. you to have your own podcast, too. So with that said, I want to thank everybody that tuned in today. And um, do you have any closing words? Yeah, just love yourself. You know, just love yourself. It, it's not that hard to do. Sometimes it is, but just love yourself. That's all. Right. Love yourself. Allow everybody else to be who they are. You know, we don't need to be right. It's better to just be happy. So I love it. Awesome. With that said, have a lovely rest of your day. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast, and we will see you on the next episode of Peggy's Recovery Corner.